Hello, welcome back. I am Charles Musgrove with the Bean Team and host of Business Matters. Guess what? We have another outstanding show. Today we have Professor Joe Calhoun from FSU in the house. Joe, welcome to Business Matters. Well, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Man, I tell you what, this is uh, when you get an accountant and an economics professor in the same room, that normally would be boring. No, no, that's when you light it up. That's when the fireworks happen. I love it because, you know, one of the uh, the silver linings of this coronavirus is it's going to add some juice to our discussion today. Oh, yes. It's going to make uh, some people listen maybe a little bit differently than they had before. Joe, I don't know if, you, if you're aware of this, but Business Matters, we've got a lot of great shows out there on YouTube right now. We've got it on Apple Podcast and iHeartRadio. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go listen to or watch some of our previous shows, we've got a lot of what I call nuggets of knowledge out there that people can look at, they can they can listen to, and they can find out how, how can they improve their business, what they do in their business. Absolutely. Well, now that I'm going to have a little bit more time on my hands in isolation, I'll have more time to do those kinds of things. Yeah, unfortunately that is true. But we are recording this uh, on March the 17th. 2020 and joe is a professor at fsu and today the uh the university announced that they're going to do the rest of the semester online yes so we had already committed to two weeks after spring break we're in spring break right now so our students are scattered we had committed to two weeks after spring break and that leaves us three weeks to finish the semester it was announced today that those final three weeks are also going to be online makes sense it uh it's probably not a surprise that that happened but you know if you think back a month ago and you would have you would have had that thought that would have been just a oh that would have been crazy talk absolutely that would have been crazy talk yeah joe you'll know this um how many it was only a couple of weeks ago maybe three at the at the longest when the jobs report came out yes for february first friday of every month is when the jobs report comes so we're looking at the first friday in march and we get the jobs report for January. Uh, for February. For so Febu- it's a one-month lag. For February, up more than what was expected, and they adjusted the January numbers up. Yes. Well, let's, let's clarify. Well, we're talking about employment numbers. Normally, we talk about the unemployment rate is the big number that comes out. So if we're talking about employment up, we're talking about unemployment down. Exactly. That's yes. right. All good. That was the point. Absolutely. It was a lot to celebrate. Right. So we had that Friday was, was a boom. The market went up. And then the next week is when it hit. Yes. So within less than a week, we go from stock market highs, unemployment lows, job employment, the highest. And yes. And then things fall apart. And it just shows you how quickly things are evolving. What I knew three hours ago was drastically different than what I know right now. What I knew seven days ago was dramatically different seven days ago fsu was just kind of thinking about maybe if we had to go online and by the end of the day a week ago wednesday we said two weeks we're going online and here we are seven days later now we're fully online yes. this, this changes are happening so rapidly right now and most people's heads are spinning it's at a breakneck pace for sure so like i said it this is uh normally when you get an accountant in a and an economist in the same room it's it's not going to be an exciting conversation for people other than the accountant and the economist but today this is going to be extra we got a special lot to talk about this is uh you know this is as a few shows ago we started talking about the coronavirus and it was okay you know that's everybody's inundated with that on the news do we really want to have that as one of our topics and 
reluctantly we did that, but it was it was good information, and we've continued that. And it's like, okay, we can't ignore this. And when we get the opportunity to talk with you, Joe, this we have to we have to talk about the effects of the coronavirus on our economy and what the government is doing to react to that. Yes. So yes. Th- this is not something that. Uh, we're going to get over in a week or a day or no. or a month. This no, is something this is that last for a long time. This, the the recovery of this, there's going to be elements of this that's going to last with last us for a long time, and it, it may last us for the rest of our working career. The the after effects of this. Now we may recover and, and likely most likely we're going to have a fast recovery, and the economy is going to start to boom again. But we're going to we've created a lot of debt and a lot of a lot of baggage on the sideline yeah absolutely and i think you know if you start to think about some of the silver linings it's also going to give everybody from higher education all the way down to the local ice cream stand a reason to pause and reevaluate what is their plan b what is their backup what is their emergency plan because as we're seeing right now the companies and the people in their personal lives who had some kind of cushion. They either had cash reserves, they had an account, they had some kind of emergency plan that was kinda or officially in place. Those are the people who are handling this better. Those businesses and those individuals who never thought of plan B, never thought of backups or emergencies are really, really struggling right now. And in human nature, when you are caught off guard and you don't know what to do, chances are your decisions aren't gonna be very good. When you're a little proactive and you had a backup plan, your decisions are going to be more calm and you're going to come out the other end better for it. So I think this is going to cause everybody to more formally evaluate what is their emergency plan. And if something kind of like this happened in the future, all of us are going to be a little bit more prepared for it. I so hopefully right. there's some good lessons to learn. Here. Yeah, I do think that is that is so true. And I think history reveals also when when Americans are put in a struggle situation or a crisis they figure a way to overcome that number one and maybe they figure a way a figure a way to do business differently that's that's a better way yeah absolutely so that that helps us in the future as well we hope this never happens again but uh, you know if it's happened once it's likely to happen again and, and and people will say this has already happened in the past as well it's just been called it's a, different a slightly thing. different context i right. mean you know you can go through history and you can name different events but had similar characteristics right and that's what we need to be pre- prepared for there's probably never going to be a virus like this again or if it is it'll, it'll look quite a bit different but there could be other similar characteristics of a future event and if we're ready then we'll be better prepared to handle that right it's always good to uh as difficult as it is right now to put that in perspective and to look for the silver lining and how we come out on, on the other end, I think is important and uh, that, that we will survive this. So we have a lot of topics that I think we can touch on. We've made a list of that and we will, we'll kind of touch on that to make sure we're all on the same page in the, in the pre-roll. Um, Let's talk about when we get into the into the meat of the show. Let's talk about it. Is it a bailout? Is it like the auto industry bailout, or do we call it something else? So let I think that's you know bailout has a negative connotation. So yeah. I think we can probably dispel that that naming as a bailout. So yeah, I I don't think bailout is the appropriate term here. We can use lots of other terms, but I don't think bailout is the appropriate one. Good, and we're the um, 
right now on the news before I left to come over here that Munchen was on the on TV with with uh, with Trump, and they're talking about more money, more stimulus money, and try to get the money in the hands of the people and the businesses now as yeah. soon as possible. That they they realize that they can't they can't get that money out to the businesses through through unemployment or through payroll taxes. Right. So they that that is a slow deal to to reduce payroll taxes in the future because if they're if they have to lay people off they're not going to get the benefit of that through right. through payroll taxes so yeah. they're looking at ways to get money out now within the next couple of weeks so how they do that i don't know that still this is like yeah. we said everything is changing rapidly yes. right now uh so we'll talk about that we'll talk about do they is the best mechanism or what are the differences if they run that through the business versus paying every citizen in the united states if they get a check you know yeah. um let's talk about the timetable to recover so yeah. i think there is optimistically we're looking at there's potentially a lot of pent-up demand so that when the when the cure is there and when we beat this bell curve back that they keep talking about when we flatten the curve when we've got our hands around that when we know we're on the back end then we'll release people they'll go back to work and the economy will start to turn again right right I would like to get your your take on that because that's I think optimistically we all like to think that we all like to hope that that's what yeah. the administration is saying it seems logical we certainly want to hang on something does this does this have any effect on other price other markets like the housing prices because housing we've gone through the housing bubble in the past mm-hmm. you know what's the after things settle back out what 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 is the likely impact to the housing market yeah. if any yeah um, and we can talk about how if they put all this money back into the economy, if it goes back to the businesses, the, the first, the initial reaction is all of that money is through loans of some sort. Yeah. So is it loans? Is it grants? Is it money that's not repaid? You know, what are we looking at on that? Yeah. And also, what, what would be the administration that's handling that? I think it's the SBA could be it's probably a bunch of different government agencies especially if you want to get it into the hands of businesses quickly you can't funnel it through just one agency it's going to happen too slowly because that one agency will be bombarded with all the administrative details that go with it you're going to have to fan it out across not just the federal government agencies but the state and the local government agencies because people need this money very quickly right they can't wait three months four months for it no, we're talking I mean, weeks. They need it tomorrow. Right. They need it next week to make payroll. They need it next week to pay their own bills. Right. So we need to move this along quickly. And I did see yesterday where DeSantis uh, announced that they're doing the $50,000 amount, $50,000 bridge loans. Mm-hmm. So yeah. th- that's coming from the Office of Economic Development. That's being administered by the SBDCs in the state of Florida. Yeah. And uh, they're partnering with, with one of the... Uh, the finance uh, commissions as well to uh, administer that money. And that's an interest-free loan for a year, I believe. Yeah. And it's it's meant to be a uh, – once they get more permanent funding, either through the SBA or through the traditional right. uh, financing uh, vehicles that are out there, they, they'll repay that $50,000 loan. Yeah. So that that's merely, as it says, a bridge loan, and it's $50,000. So 50 may sound like a lot, but – to businesses that are right now that can go very quickly yeah if their payroll is fifty thousand dollars a week you know that that goes in a snap yeah and they're they have no more money so 
the other thing that that I think we can sprinkle in is you've got a I think a very good handle on uh, similar situations in the past that our economy has has uh, has gone through. Yes, we do have some, some historical precedent here. We can look at what prior administrations and what prior government programs were intended to do, what they actually did, and we do have some evidence there that we can look back on and say, okay, that that worked well, let's maybe do something like that again, and that didn't work so well, let's stay away from that one this time around. Good. I think that that's real helpful to uh, to talk about that as well because some of that is some of those examples that you're going to use, those have been pretty recent. I mean, within the past yes, 15, within, 20 years. within the last 10, 12 years. Yeah, so that's good. I think that a lot of people that are listening to this, they'll they'll remember those those situations and those examples that you bring up. And, and although we don't have one, one exact situation that we can compare to in the past, there's elements of the recovery that I think apply and that Absolutely. We, we can use examples of, of what we're potentially could be doing now to uh, prop up the the uh the businesses out there yes all right joe that's a whole lot to go through i'm not sure that we'll cover that in one session but let's give it a shot is there anything else we want to add to the list no i think that's a pretty comprehensive list all right so i'm going to put this here and remember i will put some uh some information on youtube so you can go out there and take a look at that also, Joe, I want to give you props. There, There is a book that you are an author of. Uh, you ha- are on this title with other famous Yes, and give credit economists. to my co-authors. I did not write this uh, by myself. This is a little book. We call it a primer, which means just enough to get you started and get you some basic information called Common Sense Economics, What Everyone Should Know About Wealth and Prosperity. And my great co-authors, uh, my longtime friend Jim Gortney here at Florida State, uh, Rick Stroop, Dwight Lee, Tawny Ferrini, and I teamed up for this third edition of the book. Awesome. I like it. It's, uh, Joe, I'm sure they can get this on Amazon. Amazon, Kindle, all the favorite online and regular retailers have it. And they have this uh, right in the front of the book. I think this is a great way to start the book out. 12 key elements of economics. Yes. Number one, incentives matter. Changes in benefits and cost will influence choices in a predictable manner. Absolutely. That's the foundation of all of economics. So we're not going to go through all 12, but before the coronavirus happened, we were going to pick out some of these and spend our whole session on the 12 key elements of economics. But I think we can probably... I think we can put that on hold for a few weeks. We'll put that on hold. Let's talk a little bit about the virus. So with that being said... John, I'm going to turn it over to you, play us a little music, and roll us into the recording for our radio show. Welcome to the Business Matters Talk Show with Charles Musgrove. On Business Matters, we discuss the issues that matter to your business. Find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Beanteam.com. And now here's your host, Charles Musgrove. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Welcome back. I am Charles Musgrove, your host of Business Matters. I'm with the Bean Team. You know what we bring. We bring those nuggets of knowledge. And today we have Professor Joe Calhoun in the house. Joe, welcome to the house. Well, thank you. It's a nice house. Thanks for having me. This is going to be good. Joe is an FSU professor of economics at Florida State University. So check this out. We have an accountant, 
and an econo- economist That's in right. the same room That's having right. a discussion. So normally that would be extremely, extremely boring. Oh, today we're going to light up the disco balls and we're going to be dancing around with all this great stuff. <laughs> I like that. That may be a first, but uh, I guess here is one of the silver linings. We talked about this in the in the uh, pre-roll, but one of the silver linings of the coronavirus is it's going to add some extra juice and spice to the discussion we have today. Yes, lots to talk about and lots of different applications and it's evolving quickly so we're going to talk about what we know now and when things change we'll talk about that other stuff later good so i think it's uh normally i don't i don't put the uh i don't state the date that we do this recording but with the how things are changing so rapidly i think it's is it'll be interesting to uh state that today is march 17th yes and, and we should probably even state the time it's the afternoon of the 17th I, and and what i know now is a whole lot different than what i knew three hours ago exactly so, and i'm probably going to have some new information by the time i get out of here exactly so when you're listening to this remember we recorded this about 3 30 on march 17th that's a tuesday so there's no telling what's going to happen between now, when this is aired on the radio, when you're going to hear it on Apple Podcast or iHeartRadio. Right. Yep. So bear with us. We're doing the best we can because things change so rapidly. And you out there that are listening to this, you know how, how fast things have changed. So, Joe, when I left to come over here, there was a lot of discussion. The government, the FSU has canceled remaining on canceled remaining classes for the rest of the semester it's all going to be online yeah so let's just clarify here make sure we're using the right terms and and making sure people have accurate information they haven't canceled they've simply moved all what we call face-to-face instruction that is normally i stand in front of my students and i tell them what i need to tell them all of that has been moved to online so our anticipation is everybody's going to finish their classes they're going to finish their credits seniors are going to graduate now we don't know yet what's going to happen with commencement but instead of face-to-face instruction all university faculty and staff are being required to move their instruction to an online some kind of remote um, process so cancellation isn't quite the term that we want to use we're just switching delivery methods good i like that thank you for the clarification so as of now the k k through 12 classes have not made that change so again that's not yet no they have a different set of issues to deal with it it's one thing to assume that a college student can jump online and finish a class that's pretty reasonable even for a relatively low-income student they probably have enough resources they can get that done it's a whole nother thing to a ask some of these low-income people or people that don't have internet in their home or adequate uh, resources in their home to do that and it's it's also a whole nother thing to try to ask a third grader to jump online and listen or watch a math teacher remotely i mean that's just hard enough to do in class let alone asking a third grader to do that so there's a whole set different set of issues for k through 12 and i think that decision will come soon but hasn't been made just yet. Yeah, that's a much more difficult decision. Yeah, honestly, the the change that they've done to uh, the delivery method does not surprise me. 
I think no, probably and I think most people had anticipated this. FSU made a decision a few days ago uh, that, uh, and we're on spring break this week, so this week no big deal. Everybody was going to be gone anyways, but we had committed to two weeks of online instruction, which would have given us three weeks at the end of the semester to hopefully come back, finish our courses face to face. I think most people said that's probably not going to happen, and they start gearing up for the remaining five weeks to be online. So for a lot of FSU faculty, it wasn't a total surprise. It was just confirmation of what they had suspected was going to happen anyways. Yeah, let's hope at the end of that five weeks we're, uh, we're on the backside of this. Absolutely. So let's jump right into what's going on at the federal and the state level. So there's um, a lot of businesses, a lot of industries specifically have been hit where they've the, the governor has come out today and he's closed bars and nightclubs yeah. as of 5 o'clock this afternoon. Yeah. Uh, restaurants have already been impacted dramatically. Yes, most restaurants are not allowing customers to sit inside. They can come in, get their food, but then they're asked politely to leave right away. And, of course, drive-in is still open. And as I was driving over here, I I saw a lot of that. Uh, Restaurants are open. You just can't go in and sit down like you normally could. Right, so you've got, I believe it was yesterday, Chick-fil-A came out and said they had suspended the all in 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 house dining yeah right. yeah you can't sit down inside chick-fil-a so it's like a lot of the other industries have has happened so far when one does it when the leader of that industry makes a move the rest of them follow suit sure absolutely. so I, I think as soon as you saw that there were a lot of others that came out publicly and said we're we're suspending in-store dining and it's drive-through or curbside only yes so we've got the impact to the the hospitality industry the uh the restaurants the hotels they've been impacted dramatically oh sure with travel restrictions nobody needs a hotel room anymore and we got airlines another one that's been hit airlines hit real hard cruise ships so what is so the money that's that's uh the government is going to flood into the economy so there's it's still unclear how they're going to do that but but when you i've even heard some of the the commentators and some of the people from the government use the term bailout, and maybe maybe not very many from the federal government is using the term bailout. But I think that that could be a fallback that people relate to the the auto bailout that was done a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, I think that's a word that still lingers around, and for most people, lingers in a negative sense. That's Absolutely. not a happy word. It's not a word that they like to use. They use it in a derogatory, negative way. No, I don't think that's the case here at all. I, I don't think anybody should be using that term bailout. Bailout to me, gives the indication that you made a poor choice, and now I'm going to just try and wipe that away from you. I'm going to bail you out from something that you probably shouldn't have done anyways, but just because I'm nice and I'm going to try and pick you up, I'm going to give you some money. I don't think that applies here at all. These businesses didn't do anything to deserve this. They didn't make any bad choices. They're just going about their normal business. They have what in economics we call a shock. We've had a massive shock to our system, and that's just like a gut punch, and that's throwing us all off our normal course of actions and our normal decisions. So what we have is not a bailout. You can call it a variety of other things. You could call it a rescue package. You could call it a stimulus package. Those are, would be all fine terms. I don't think bailout is the one that we want to use, though. Good. I I, I agree with you. The, uh, the auto bailout is – that's really – 
picking winners and losers within an industry, not just an entire industry, but really right. it was pretty Yeah, because some people would argue, well, you know what, we shouldn't have bailed them out. They made poor decisions. If they go out of business, we should just let them suffer. Now, that's a separate conversation, but that's the thought process. Right. I don't think there's anybody walking around today going, oh, yeah, you know what, they kind of deserve the virus and we should just let them fail because uh, we don't want to pick them up. Well, I, and I think you, everybody wants to be picked up right now or at least be willing to, to help some of these businesses out. Um, so it's got a much more positive tone in terms of rescue or relief or stimulus package today. Agree. Plus you have uh, not only that that they've suffered from customers not going into their establishment, but you have in a lot of situations where the government has asked them to to change how they operate or close. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, in the restaurant industry is, is a prime example. Okay, we're doing this for the greater good. Mm -hmm. It's not in my best interest to tell my customers they can't sit inside and eat. Right. I'm doing that because I'm being a good steward of my resources. I'm being a good community member. I'm doing whatever I can to stop the spread of this virus. So there's a much broader good that's going on here. If it was purely in the self-interest of all these restaurants, they would say, yeah, come on down. We're going to pack the house and, and we're going to have everybody eat inside. They're obviously not doing that because they see this is bigger than just themselves. Right. It's bigger than just their business. And we certainly want to applaud that. Absolutely. I'm glad you cleared that up because that is the, the bailout just has a negative connotation to it when you hear that. And, yeah. and people do not need to equate what, what's happening now and the recovery of those businesses and, and helping those industries and businesses out during this difficult time. Yes. Who knows what how long this is going to take. We hope that it, it doesn't take long and we're able to, to get back on our feet quickly. The uh, This is still being worked out and who knows how what form this is going to take. We kind of have some general ideas, but if money goes back into the economy to help businesses and people that have been displaced, what is the best... I, you probably have some examples. Does the money should the money go to the businesses? Should it go to the individual? Should it be a combination of that? And what are the effects of of going in those two manners? Well, it's really a series of trade offs here. So if you think about the easiest, fastest way, is what some commentators and what you've heard out of the federal government is let's just write everybody a check for a thousand bucks, and and you can do that very quickly. I mean. The, the money could go from the government to the employers. You could just stick that in my paycheck. Or if you wanted to, the federal government can just start writing checks and mail it to me. It'd be in my, in my mailbox in two, three days. So this can happen pretty quickly. And we have some historical evidence of this. If you remember in 2008, towards the end of the George Bush administration, when the recession started to rear its ugly head, most income taxpayers received a check. You got so much, but depending on your tax returns, if you had, you know, two dependents, you got more than if you only had one dependent. And the federal government just wrote checks thinking, oh, this is going to stimulate the economy. Now, there's some good things that happen there. Again, it can happen very quickly. And uh, that money can, can then be infused into the economy pretty quickly. Because I guarantee if I'm going to get a check in the mail tomorrow, I'm probably going to spend it pretty quickly. So in, in, in terms of the trade-off, it's a good trade-off because it can happen quickly. The, the, the downside is you're never sure what people are going to do with that money. And the evidence that we have from the end of the Bush administration was a lot of people didn't use that money to run to the mall and buy stuff. And it didn't actually stimulate the economy very much. 
because people did one of two things. They either just paid off old debt, which was previous spending, and we wanted new spending. So instead of running to the mall, I just paid off my Discover bill, or I put a little extra money into my car payment to pay that down, or thinking that the recession was going to get worse, not better. I just took that stimulus money from the government, and I just put it in my savings account. And again, that's not necessarily stimulate it's going to be helpful because my money in my savings account can be lent to somebody else to to stimulate their business if uh, somebody wants to take a loan but for the most part it's not as stimulating as we thought it was going to be so it's that's a that's one, a downside right is it's like a one-time you never hit. know where that money's going to get spent right so if you flip to okay let the government direct that money then the government can say hey we need to prop up this industry or this business so let's not give it just blanket to a bunch of consumers let's give it to the particular business that we think is in need now the trade-off there is you're probably not going to be able to do that as quickly because that business is going to have to somehow apply or lobby the government saying you know i really do need it here's how much i need here's why i need it you're going to have to have somebody on the government side screening these things and saying okay yeah you do need it or no you don't i'm going to give it to somebody over here so it's going to slow the process down And we also have some historical evidence here. So if you remember when President Obama came into office in 2009, one of the first things he did was get a a very large stimulus package through Congress. It was somewhere in the neighborhood of $800 billion. I forget the exact number. Now, that stimulus money was just meant to stimulate the economy because we were still coming out of that recession. Yes, we're still coming out of the recession. Well, we were entering the teeth. We were entering the teeth. I mean, because in in February 2009 is when the unemployment rate peaked a little over 10%. So right around that time is when that stimulus bill. Now, a good bit of that stimulus bill was just giving some money away, but most of it was what we call directed government spending. So the government said, we're going to spend it here in this business. And the government created this really cool website called recovery.gov. Now, you can't go there now because the website's been taken down. But the the bad side of that trade-off is four to five years after that stimulus bill was passed, some of that money still had not been spent. So you have an implementation and a delay lag in terms of when that money is going to get there because of all the administrative stuff it has to go through. So, yes, the good side is it's more directed to maybe people who need it more, and you know it's going to get spent because the government's going to give it to the people uh, where it's desperately needed. The problem is it might take years. It takes years. a long time. Well, think, compare and, and that to the with, BP With this side. virus, we, don't, we, we can't wait years. We, we need this money now. I mean, it's one thing to say, yeah, we can wait you know, six months or a year for the housing market to recover. That's a totally different situation than trying to fight this virus which a lot of people think they might be over in six months. So, okay, we, we can't wait six months because the whole thing might be over and a whole lot of businesses might have gone bankrupt by then. We, you know, we need this money much faster. Right. So how do we balance this? And I think the best way to balance it is, is actually a little bit of both. You, you need to implement something as quickly as possible to get some kind of stimulus in the economy, but yet you also need some kind of direction so that people don't take this, put it in their nest egg, and just hold on to it and have it not be as stimulating as we need to. And that the money, there's a couple of things there. The money that would go out to the citizens in the form of a $500 or $1,000 check, that's not a loan. That's just giveaway money. That, that's just giveaway money. That's so, right. So that's one 
one aspect of that. And if the money goes through the business, through the business process, then more than likely that's going to be in the form of some type of loan. Could be, but you can also just give away the same amount of money as a grant or think of it as a scholarship. So instead of giving a, a business a $50,000 loan, you can just say, here's 50000 You don't need to pay us back at all. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be a loan. Traditionally, it is a loan, partly because the general voter citizen base feels a little bit better about giving businesses loans as opposed to just throwing them some money saying, hey, here you go, do whatever you want with it. Right. Because the American voter still has a little bit of suspicion about business acting ethically and doing the right thing, even though they all may, there's just that little bit of suspicion. Right. So if you're a politician, you're going to be hesitant to just give a bunch of businesses a bunch of money and say, do whatever you want with it. That's just not going to look real good in the eyes of most voters. Right. I, I, com- I may compare this wrongly, but I, I think back to the BP oil spill and the money that was paid back to those that were damaged through that. Yes. So you hope that it what we need to avoid is the delay in repayment of those to those people that were damaged because yeah. a big knock on that was the the time period that it took to to repay that. Yeah, that took a long time as well. And then you had a whole bunch of people who were marginal at best. You know, their their business was maybe sort of impacted in a negative way by the BP oil spill. But yet they still got some money. Right. They were able to game the system. They were able to game the system. And you need to be cautious so that you're not allowing too much gaming. And again, that's part of the danger of having some kind of direct from government to business solution is there's always going to be special interest effect. There's always going to be lobbying. Hey, I know somebody who's making a decision. Okay, well, I'm likely to be at the front of the line versus a different businessman who doesn't know anybody who's making decisions. They may be at the back of the line. So you got to be careful about how much authority to give the government to say, yes, you get it, no, you don't. Right. There's got to be some kind of procedure in place. Right. It's tough to, to, uh, to avoid the, the inverse relationship of speed and effectiveness. You can get it out there fast, but is it as effective if you go through a longer process that vets right. it and gets it into the hands that can have a, a multiple effect to that money that goes out? Yeah. Because I guess the, the worst the worst thing that can happen is it goes out fast, but it has no multiplier in the economy. Right. Well, it's going to multiply. The, the question is, how big is that multiplier going to be? And right now, we need it to be as big as possible. The concern is if you just give everybody a thousand bucks, that multiple might be kind of small. Right. Good. That's good good information. So the everybody wants this to be over as fast as possible and we and we have some understanding that okay, we need to get the virus under control first. Yeah. And then we'll see a return to what we call normal. Sure. Once we go through on the back side of that, and who knows what that time period is, we've heard anywhere from four to five weeks to it's going to be the middle of the summer. So I guess stay tuned because tomorrow yeah. or this afternoon or tonight we may get a, a – it may change again. Yeah. Once we get to that on the backside of the virus, what does it look like as far as a recovery? Do we have – you know, we've heard the good thing that there could be pent-up demand or are we gonna, we're going to storm back and it's going to be back to normal quickly on the econ- the economic side of it. What What's your take on that? I, I think it's going to be uh, – a little bit of both. There's going to be some short run bounce back, 
and then there's going to be some very difficult long-run adjustments. So let's just think about a couple of specific examples. Let's talk about you and I, okay, tonight on the way home, we're not going to go to a restaurant. We're just going to go home and we're going to fix a peanut butter and jelly or grilled cheese or, you know, maybe stop at the supermarket and, and get something. Okay. Then when, when the virus is cleared, okay, now we're back to normal. We're going to go to a restaurant. So certain industries like that will bounce back probably pretty quickly. So if you want to call that pent-up demand, hey, I, I was going to spend $100 this week at a variety of things, and I'm just not, and that's going to sit in my checking account. And then when the virus is over and I get back to normal, now that $100 is sitting there, and I'm going to go spend it. Okay, so some businesses are going to bounce back pretty quickly. But then there's other businesses and other revenue that is just lost forever. So another personal example is I was supposed to go to a conference out of town in a few weeks. And I I bought a flight. I bought a hotel room. And there was the conference fee. And I was going to eat at a few restaurants while I was at the conference. All of that is gone. So when the virus clears and I resume life as normal, I'm not going to go back to that conference. That, that conference is over. That conference is it was a one once a year conference and it was going to be in early April and that's just gone for 2020. Now, it'll happen again in 21, but that's a whole year away. So that flight revenue is is now gone. The hotel revenue is gone. Uh, the conference fee was refunded to me. All that money is just gone. Now, maybe a little bit of that I'd redirect and say, okay, I, now that I've got a, you know, a couple of hundred dollars back, maybe I can spend it somewhere else. So maybe now I can go to restaurants more. I can go to the beach more. But a lot of that money is just simply gone. And those businesses are going to have a tougher time rebounding from this because that's just revenue that isn't coming back right there's not a surge that comes in to yeah, catch there's, there's not going to be there's no catch up. it's not going to be a surge i mean right. it's kind of like you think about a swing you know you're pushing your kids on a swing you give them a push and they're coming back and you better step out of the way or they're going to knock you over so some of the money that we would have spent is like pushing that kid in a swing set you push them okay you know what we're just going to delay it but that money's coming back others we push that money and it's just gone forever joe good news and bad news we're through with show one however we only went through half the list we have a lot to talk about we're gonna leave we're gonna we're gonna end the show with the timetable to recover because we're talking about pent-up demand Mm -hmm. so here's the good news you're gonna stay around for the second show absolutely stay tuned come back next week check it out on ipod i itunes iheart youtube we're on there look for show two Joe, stick around. I'm Charles Musgrove, your host of Business Matters. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Check us out next week. Have a blessed day. Have a great week. Peace. The Business Matters Talk Show with Charles Musgrove is sponsored by The Bean Team. For all your business accounting and tax preparation needs, visit beanteam.com or call 893-7710. You can listen to more episodes of Business Matters on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or visit beanteam.com.